So, yeah, I thought we'd have a kind of informal conversation today, or semi-formal. Um, actually, we never have formal conversations, so I don't even know what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll have a normal conversation. I was, to, I, was, I was going to ask as opposed to. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Don't, don't mind me. I'm, I'm, I'm um, mixing my venues. Because some other places I have formal conversations, believe it or not. Anyway, um, yeah, about the ongoing ECOWAS crisis. Um, some people are calling it Echo Exit. Mm. Other people Echo Wars. Echo Wars. Echo, mm. Echo, Echo Wars. Wars. Yeah. Mm. E-C-O- <laughs> iPhone W-A-S. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, Echo Bad to Echo Worst. Um <laughs> Anyway, so yeah, that's uh, we should probably stop there. But yeah, I think that's that's um, a important conversation to have. Obviously, because um, we have started the conversation previously after the coup in Niger, but also because there have been some new developments since then and then more proximate developments in the past couple of weeks, and because yeah, it continues to be a issue that has not only long-term implications, but fairly immediate implications, and not only at the level of regional bodies and such, but also at the level of day-to-day lived realities for citizens um, in these countries. So, I mean, I guess the first big question, or one way to start, is like, what aspect of the crisis is most striking or worrying to you guys at the moment? Like, what, what are you tracking and, like, yeah, what aspect strikes you the most? Um, for me, generally, again, like I keep going back to what has been the gain, the lots of the common Burkina Bay, the mm. Sahelian, the people over there in Mali, and um, uh, the third country, Niger, I think. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So, what's been their lots? Have they been enjoying it? Have they can they beat their chest and say they've had like concrete gains since this, you know, um crew or this military government took over in their country? So, like these are the things to look at for the people because if the lot of the people were, you know, um they were downtrodden or they didn't have the benefits that a government is supposed to provide to them, like as composed as a, as opposed to what they have now. Like so it's good to check it out and see what's what are the people saying. Stepping yeah. hardship, you know, so that's my own yardstick at the moment because materially we can't, you know, we can't escape having that um, what magnifying glass to check out what's going on, you know, to make a proper analysis of what it is that, you yeah. know, the governments are doing. Yeah, so that's been, that's me. And I see that it's been hardship still because of a lot of sanctions, you know, and a lot of complex fact complex factors that yeah. i'll say is enveloping the region and you know international hands the regional bodies all that you know so it's a big complex you know before you come in Michael, let me throw in a couple of contextual factors that might make our conversation more specific um in terms of what has happened since we last talked i mean a couple big things include one that the three countries that um oeg just referred to mali niger and Burkina Faso, um, 
put across a notification to ECOWAS formally declaring that they are no longer part of the regional body. So that's been one huge development. Um, the second one is that these three countries sought to exit also the Frank, Frank CFA zone, Frank CFA, um, which is the uh, you know currency that is used in a lot of um, Francophone West and Central Africa um, that is much hated by a lot of anti-imperialist or you know um, anti-colonial forces because it is associated with you know much discredited French colonial rule and is still currently managed aspects of it are managed from Paris. So they made an attempt to stand up an alternative currency um, as a show, as a, you know, a concrete show of what they've been sort of articulating since the importance of deepening independence from France. But that attempt seems to have um, hit some obstacles because ultimately Mali has exited from that conversation. Um, and yeah, it's not clear that Burkina is interested in moving f f forward with it as well. So I think Niger is now rather the opposite. It's not clear that Niger is interested in moving forward with it as well. So it's, it seems like Burkina is more or less alone in that conversation at the moment. Um, and then finally, there's the issue of sanctions that OEG has mentioned, the ongoing uh, reality since our last conversation that ECOWAS maintains sanctions against Niger particularly, um, so the others who have been suspended, who were suspended before they formally exited from ECOWAS. Um, and this is particularly an issue along the long Nigeria-Niger border, where the sanctions have meant that um, formal trade and formal the formal movement of people are restricted. Um, so these are the big factors, I think, that are worth mentioning in terms of context. Um, and OG, you can come back in also to respond to these issues, particularly in reflecting on what are the big things that stand out to you, but maybe we should give Emeka a chance first as well. Yeah, um, I think there's something to add to um, some of the, the points that, you, that you've noted. It's also that, yes, so it's not even just a question of restrictions to formal trade. I think that there's also been restrictions to legitimate informal trade. Both trades, but are formal or informal, you know, as a result of sanctions have been driven on the ground. Um, I'd, leave, I'd leave it to the imagination of listeners to, to, to think about what that might mean, you know, um, the severity of, of, of that or the citizens of, of both sides, you know, um, especially, you know, with respect to, you know, Nigerians and, and, and Nigerians. Um, yeah, so, I mean, but to answer your question, I think that, um, so that aspect of, of, of this impasse is, you know, something that, you know, I spend some time thinking about, um, you know, and 
there's no way to think about it and 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 not the conclusion that uh, ECOWAS, you know, in pursuing um, the lines of uh, sanctions, you know, quite apart from the threats for um, military invasion, um, has, you know, cost, landed, you know, massive blow on on, on the Nigerian um, economy, you know. Um, but I, I mean, I don't think the jury is out as to whether, you know, um, majority of the countries, you know, that comprise of, of this, you know, West African economic bloc are as stringent as, you know, the Nigerians of the Nigerian states in, in pursuing, you know, some of these sanctions. You know, um, we know, for instance, that um, Niger has been in, in some kind of talks with Togo, who is acting as as, as some kind of mediator in, in this conflict. Um, you know, um, I'm not too sure what Bene is doing you know but we know that nigeria has been you know very forceful about you know um you know these sanctions and, and it's important to note that it's while you know many commentators um go on and on and up about um the blue that ECOWAS you know has dealt niger it, it's the conversation about how these sanctions are, are somewhat kind of self-inflicting wounds on the Nigerian side has been kind of mooted, you know. So it's 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 something that you know that I also think about, especially along um, the border, the states that border Niger, you know, you know, to the north of northern the northern part of Nigeria, so much so that. You know, um, recently in the news, you you would hear that um, some states in the north, you know, Niger, um, sorry, Niger states, and Khan are beginning, you know, we're beginning to see some kinds of protests, you know, and 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 that connection is often not made, you know, with. You know the closure of the borders and what it means for lives and livelihoods those places and so i think that yeah so that economic part of of, of this impasse needs to be um, stressed the second part is is um which which pills maybe in comparison to you know the first point that i have raised is 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 the fact that you know not too long ago and i think i missed i think you missed this out um there's been some kind of, of constitutional coup d'etat in, in, in Senegal and the, the force with which um, ECOWAS has responded, you know, have left, you know, a large swath of, 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 of uh, observers thinking that, you know, we, we might be dealing with an institution that speaks, you know, out of two sides of its mouth, you know, that their response hasn't hasn't been as, as forceful as 
as it was with Niger, and which is a point that Niger makes, you know, um, and this might have gone, you know, under the radar a bit, but Niger has reached out to ECOWAS. Uh, I think there's a legal uh, arm of ECOWAS where that legislates some of these uh, issues. I don't, I don't remember what it's called, but say that. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, um, and then um, to say that you know the sanctions being meted out to it, you know, um, when compared with um, other African countries, I mean that, and, and and that would be speaking about Burkina Faso and Mali, who also have, um, uh, and I think there's one more country who also have. Um, who have also had coups, you know, um, when you weigh, weigh both, yeah, yeah, Guinea, thanks. Um, you, you know, theirs have been, you know, more, more, so there's some kind of allegations of heavy handedness, you know, so uh, I'd leave it there for now, but I think that those two things are, are things that, you know, um, you know, uh, there's also the currency bit, but I mean, you touched on that, you know, uh, yeah, in both of your responses, I'm hearing um, a mix of things that like some of the causes and some of the effects have been equally striking to you folks as this crisis has progressed. I think we should talk a little bit about causes before we come to effects. And um, thanks for bringing up the Senegal issue. Yeah, that was the fourth one I wanted to raise in the context. The Senegal issue does go to the broader point I was going to make, which is that it seems like ECOWAS is in a sort of generalized crisis at the moment from multiple um, directions, right? Uh, in terms of legitimacy, in terms of meaning, like what is ECOWAS actually supposed to be about um, and function, etc. Um, so could we talk maybe a bit about uh, as I say, the causes, or maybe we could call it the origins of the crisis from your perspective. Like, why is ECOWAS suddenly falling apart, it seems? Um, and then let's come back to the question of effects, you know, um, in terms of the uh, economic blowback or impact of um, trade restrictions, etc. So, Eiji, I want to come to you here in respect to this question of causes. Like, why why do you feel that at this moment in time, ECOWAS appears to be under siege on so many fronts? What led us here? I will feel that it's because ECOWAS really has not had... Well, it, it, anyway, it has... A function and i mentioned in one of our earlier episodes that it has proven to just hurt west african countries to be better exporters of raw material you know not so much about full economic integration working together partnerships all that it's not a body that actively pursues that or mirrors some sort of infrastructural development towards that you know so it's just been it's just been a a body that oversees you know um almost 
ruling class interests and European interests and kind of applies pressure on non-compliant governments on the continent or on that part of the continent, you know. So now that there are fundamental um, diversions or variations of pathways that countries want to follow, those are the cool countries or might want to follow or how their government system or brought them there, then the cracks in the ECOWAS architecture begins to become more apparent and people can see that one, it really isn't coherent as it might seem. Two, the body itself is almost, you know, powerless to do any to like make a resounding arrangement of the West African sub-region. And it has like a lackluster performance or has had a lackluster performance in bringing about, you know, um, permanent and structural economic change to the lives of people in this region. So when you have countries willing to damn the consequences of being part of ECOWAS, you see that maybe they are not losing anything they've not lost before. <laughs> you know, so, and that, that inability of the ECOWAS giant or big brother to see that and other ECOWAS states that, look, we need to fix up. You know, it's like having a rebellious um, sibling that is not dependent on you economically they will do what they want to do or or they've seen the prospect of charting a new course you know so they will do what they want to do and that's the things that's making it very apparent that ECOWAS really isn't stepping up to do what it's supposed to do and they are willing to damn the consequences and develop themselves or whatever or do anything they want to do you know so if ECOWAS had been much more of a resource that they feel that they will gain much more being with, you know, they wouldn't have given the middle finger to it as such, you know. So I feel like ECOWAS still has much to do and living up living up to its function, its historical function, you know, on that part of the continent. So that crack in the ECOWAS um, structure is becoming more apparent, you know, because over the years we've not seen too much of a tug or pressure on it, yeah. you know. I've got a couple of questions there. One is that, um, I guess the big one is why now? Because if you're saying that ECOWAS has had this kind of deficit in its capacity to deliver what you know citizens desire and its capacity to actually um, somehow become greater than the sum of its parts, or at least you know improve on what those member states are already doing. If that deficit has existed for a while, then why is it now? Or what are the are there particular factors in the, this moment of severe crisis? What extent is ECOWAS getting worse at those issues, or was ECOWAS getting worse prior to this immediate crisis at those at you know at delivering in the way that you're describing? Because you know it's true that the organization certainly did not meet the aspirations of most African people um, in terms of integration or trade, but it did serve some functions. Like for instance, the free movement of people, um, which is like one <laughs> of the, was at a certain point um, yeah. beneficial for at least people in the borders. You know, they could exchange to some extent culturally and in trade terms. 
um, which, you know, from a kind of uh, anti-imperial African perspective makes a lot of sense because those people actually had a lot more in common um, and were often part of the same pre-colonial states before the colonial period anyway. So, you know, those borders were less meaningful. Um, and so, in a sense, ECOWAS was recognizing that in free, free movement of people protocol. So, I mean, there was at least that. And then secondly, um, you could say that, yeah, trade was increasing, even if it wasn't at the level that would actually have improved these economies structurally. And then thirdly, there's the issue of security. Jihadist groups or separatist militias or whatever the case might be, and the case varies across these regions, are able to move across borders fairly free, um, at least providing a little more of a basis for coordination between the states in responding to these attacks or these threats. Um, and the, I think the biggest example of that was um, what they call the Multinational Joint Task Force, which did score some successes um, in the past 10 years or so against um, insurgent groups in cross-border regions. So, you know, it wasn't performing optimally. I think no one would deny that, but it was serving some functions or has been serving some functions. So why is it that all of a sudden um, it no longer appears fit for purpose? Like, do you think that the reasons for these are primarily internal to these states? Or does it have more to do with, like, geopolitics, Russia, France, those kinds of, you know, the U.S., those kinds of arenas of politics? So, I mean, I know it's a big question. Yeah, but I, think, I think it's a mix of those things because you can be part of stuff, working, doing, doing things, but you're still not materially transforming your life. Because, yeah, you can facilitate movement of cheap labor, from one place to the other, it's not transforming the worker's life. There's ECOWAS, that is that big body that is allowing more cheap labor to enter from Mali to Burkina to this, you know. So neo-colonial institutions have already been sunk in place. They are there. So they can just easily call on labor from Mali, go to Chad, go to here, go to, you know, any people can move around. Yeah, you know, come work in Nigeria, clear the farms of northern elites there, you know, make some money that type of thing, do herding, graze, and all that. So it's not, it might have facilitated movement and trade. Of course, not to say that people won't gain some sort of sustenance and livelihood, but it's not transformational. That's my problem. It's not being transformational to the lives of people. So people are just at best stagnating. Or be like, yeah, let's just pitch our tent with something or somebody else. And when you have that, that factor, and then maybe a coup happening and the leaders of the coup are looking somewhere else or fundamentally aligning with maybe Russia or some other form of, you know, world power. That one too becomes a pressure that puts to bear or that comes to bear on the ECOWAS framework. And then these cracks start showing that, okay, it's not like the ECOWAS is not even as coordinated as it is. This small pressure is giving, you know, this much, uh, you know, um, crumbling effect on ECOWAS, you know. So, it's a mix of all those things, you know, like, we really can't say it's one thing, but internal politics, geopolitics, geopolitics, and even, you know, international politics outside of Africa will come together to all show the weaknesses of ECOWAS and, again, what needs to be done. So, I mean, let me 
not let you off the hot seat also because it, <laughs> my bomb hurt what? <laughs> sorry uh you could get a massage later i'm sure uh, but you know what would you say to people who okay before i phrase a question it seems to me like of the three of us there's an extent to which perhaps you're a little more sympathetic to <laughs> no no i mean not not to not to <laughs> not to throw you under the bus but I mean, it may be that you're a little more sympathetic to, um, if not the coup plotters themselves, at least to the reasons why um, a coup isn't necessarily worse than the situation mm. we were in before, right? Uh, the thing is, <laughs> things have to give somehow, some I mean, way. I, I, was, I was saying that to say, uh, what would you, how would you respond to the criticism that in fact, the main beneficiary of these coups, which have had a huge impact on the legitimacy, legitimacy of ECOWAS, because it's kind of um, put a new ECOWAS leadership suddenly in this kind of um, the devil and deep blue sea impasse. What would you say to people who say that the main beneficiary of that crisis generating process has been Russia? And that, in fact, Af the West Africa is caught in the new Cold War, um, being pulled again by rival imperialist powers into different camps in a way that is even less likely to benefit ordinary people than the previous status quo, which you could say was, you know, largely part of the global, the Western liberal set settlement, you know, whatever you want to call it. You know, but at least provided some measure of stability. Mm. How would you mm. respond to that? The thing is, when we say this stability or um, these countries, they're already part of something. They're already part of a block already, which is the Western stuff. And the way historical processes evolve, the way these things happen, is that it never stays neutral or stays in one place. That's the thing. What can guarantee or make sure that there's true stability is what positive impact are you having on the lives of people? Now, if the um, political economic scenario, if it shakes up, or the social scenario, everything, socioeconomic scenario, if it shakes up, it's bound to fall somewhere. And if it falls somewhere on the other side of the spectrum, like, then what? whose fault is it if it's not the internal leadership that has um, not carried out the work that it's supposed to do, and these regional institutions that have not led to any transformational you know, change in the lives of people. You know, how these things play out is not so much, you know, something to um, direct, but it is how do we control it or make sure that we have the best output out of it now, you know? Do we have truly intentional governments that want to change the lives of people? If we had governments that, even with the former Western liberal stuff, that were intentional about changing the lives of people, things would change. And people, like, I'm so much, you know, um, particular about what benefit are the people having, you know. Because they want to risk it and say, okay, maybe let's go to another direction and see if we're going to have something better. You know, so we can't hold historical processes, but we can be a part of it and put it where we want it to be. You know, but that people are stagnating and things won't change. It might not change for good, you know, but the factors to make it change for good is what we can contribute and add 
terms of organization, good leadership, all these kind of things, you know. So, yeah, that's it for me. I don't want to. <laughs> um, maybe, maybe again, it's you, you need to have allies, you need to have people that you work with. The world is not isolated anymore, and we are going to be somewhere like it or hate it or love it. We're going to have to work with Russia, we're going to have to work with China, we're going to have to work with other countries. You can work with other countries and they start pointing their fingers and saying, oh, yeah, someone's stooge. No, but what do you do with that alliance? Are you going to throw your people under the bus or gain, gain material, make, make material, technological wins for your people and put your people towards the path of stability and, you know, prosperity? That's it for me, really. It still comes back to the benefits. Yeah, you know, we'll see. That's why I keep asking. That's why my first question was, what material gains, you know? I don't. I think the sanctions have put a huge blow yep. on the people, you know, I feel, I feel it has. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah, okay. So, I mean, Megan, how about you? I think, you know, OEG seems to be sort of suggesting that the internal factors within ECOWAS, as in ECOWAS's inability to make transformational contributions to the everyday lives of people for such an extended period of time since it was born, really, um, in the 70s, you know, now coupled with the changing geopolitical situation globally, where, you know, there's now this kind of new Cold War, whatever you want to call it, but there's now this increased confrontation between Russia, China, and Western powers have all contributed to the internal crisis in ECOWAS, but OEG seems to be laying more emphasis on the internal issue, you know, ECOWAS's failure to live up to popular expectations. Where do you land on that in terms of the question of the cause of the current crisis? You know, do you think it's mainly a reflection of the new Cold War, quote unquote, or, I mean, do you think it's that ECOWAS has always been useless or, um, <laughs> you know, so to speak? Or, oh yeah, do you feel like the answer is ah, elsewhere? That's a loaded one. And, 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 and to be honest, I, I don't even know. Yeah, I don't even know where to, where to start. Um, but, but you see, um, I think that um, I'll, I'll start off by saying that um, when you know, people are lead the new Cold War, then, then I think, you know, that there's this sense of irony, that, irony rather, that we, we miss. Um, because the whole idea of ECOWAS, you know, uh, regional economic bloc, it's not even just ECOWAS. We talk about Eastern Africa. Um, and which other, ever one, which other ones exist uh, is that they are supposed to be counter to um, um, world economic powers, and and this is this is also true for the for the, for the European Union. You know, um, world economic powers like Russia, China, and the U.S. Just because just because of the monstrosity of it, you know, our size. You know, nature. Um, so if 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 the internal wranglings within 
um, member states, and I'll be careful to say member states, um, if, if we're going to lay the blame with the emergence of, 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 of some sort of second Cold War um, amongst these superpowers, then he, one might not necessarily fault what OEG is saying <laughs> in terms of the fact that um, ECOWAS, you know, using that as an example, and I think that's the most, you know, um, um, instructive example, you know, that, that there is, you know, the ECOWAS itself, I guess, you, you, the irony there is that ECOWAS hasn't lived up to its bill, um, but that's not news. Um, I guess what's news is, is, is why, or what's important to find out is why hasn't ECOWAS always lived up to its bill. So, um, I think one thing to say is that in ECOWAS, you, you know, I mean, and this might be true for other developing, you know, other regional economic blocks within developing, you know, um, um, states, you know, or that comprise, that developing states comprise of, I don't know whether I'm right, or the English hard media, but anyways, I mean, what I'm trying to say in a nutshell is that maybe because of of of, of this, it's in ECOWAS mostly that you find this mix of Anglophone and Anglophone African nations, um, and most pronounced. I mean, and so I think that's one factor that complicates this, you know. Um, and I mean, to home in on that point, there's also the there's also the Case that it's also perhaps within the West African um, bloc that you find that you have one country, in this case Nigeria, which forms about, in terms of its economic might, account for about 65% of GDP, of GDP of all the member states, and account for about 50% of the total population. But what complicates these things more is the fact that. Um, Nigeria is a big superpower in terms of oil producing nation. So, the and I'm what I'm trying to speak here to is, is the reason why you know ECOWAS hasn't kind of pulled its weight. In fact, the, 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 the idea behind it in the first place has even come to fruition. And, and this is largely because you know, the, these are some of the factors that you know are clear when. You know, you speak about the irony of saying that, you know, um, it's because of this new cold war. I don't know, I, I'm, I'm a bit, I don't know if I've pushed this point. I don't want to stay on it too long, but I, I think that, you know, in a nutshell, it's, it's important to try and find out or delve into the reason why ECOWAS, you know, has, for the most part, you know, uh, since 1975, 77, been shadow of itself when you compare when you compare to other economic regional blocks and so there's also 
there's economic question to it, and also the fact that because of the economic question, it hasn't managed to sort out the political um, side side of it. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like you folks largely agree then that it's kind of the the issue has been ECOWAS's failure, and I mean, the timing might have something to do with geopolitics, but some kind of reckoning was maybe inevitable, right? I mean, am I reading you correctly? It was only a matter yeah, of Yeah, to a large extent. To a large extent, yes. Right. Um, so then why has the reckoning taken the particular shape it has, which is um, the suspension of constitutions, either by people in suits or people, you know, like in Senegal, Makisau, or these guys with army uniforms and guns, like, is, is somehow, is democracy or liberal democracy, as it was being practiced, you know, elections, largely two parties, maybe a third one, um, some kind of alternance in some cases where you have opposition winning, in other cases, opposition struggled, but, you know, was still gaining some substantial percentage in the vote. I mean, that system as it was being practiced and still is of course in places like nigeria ghana some of the other examples mm-hmm. i mean is 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 it that that system has in some ways contributed to the crisis or is it somehow a um collateral damage in the ongoing reckoning you know what I'm saying? why has it why has it become the target in some ways amidst this crisis is that kind of coincidental somehow or does it seem mm-hmm to be central it's not coincidental it's almost central and it goes back to that internal problem that i've said like it's the ruling class themselves that delegitimizes institutions no one no one does it better than than them they are the ones that use force don't obey constitutions this is not i'm sure if you look in the history of all these countries you have like you know a plethora of like unending examples of when the ruling class has disobeyed constitutions does stuff that they're not supposed to do you know so you see the people actually seeing that all these things is just constitution by name it's just uh, democracy by name it doesn't have any material gain. it doesn't have anything bearing on our lives what you guys want to do that you do so it already it has eroded legitimacy of those institutions for decades so what is then when something is not sacred again or it doesn't have any sacrosanct value whatever people just come and do what with it whatever they want to do because it's already clear and proven that it's the, what the ruling class at that point in time be it military be it liberal suits wearing trousers wearing coats wearing anything you do is what goes you know so it's the ruling class themselves that delegitimize institutions and then delegitimizes even all these regional partnerships you know and not sticking true to what they said these things are going to materialize and be for the people you know so no one does it better than them and that's that internal factor mm. you know and the internal politics that i've made mention of you know that i feel is the key um you know cause of many of these problems that we have here yeah, yeah what do you think Maria? uh well that's um that's pretty uh, I, I, I don't even know. But I think OEG puts a fine needle to it. And, and then maybe what there's some the thing to add is that whether the causes of the rift is internal to member states within you know the union or um, yeah, um, 
or external to it, uh, and to use the examples that you offer. Uh, so one one instance in, in which it's probably internal to it, it is the Senegalese case. Um, right. Marquis saw, you know, and, and it really speaks to the interest of the ruling elite. Um, the flip side of that is Niger, which um, for all intents and purposes, it, the immediate cause, um, at least the, the way, in in the manner with which in, in which um, call it propaganda, if you wish, if you want, is being pushed, is that that cause is more external. Um, I mean, I mean it, it, it's the way in which you know the military junta has tried to legitimize itself and and and. Have, have 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 largely succeeded in doing because it's not clear that um, even with the economic sanctions that have been um, heaped on 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 it, you 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 know there's there's no real proof to say that you know that has in 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 how many months? Um, so maybe six, seven, eight months. No, about six months. Yeah. Um, has swayed public opinion, you know, such that um, the popularity of these pushes has has begun to to wane. So um, France is 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 the whipping boy in in that instance. Uh, so, but you, you, however however you look at it, um, whether the immediate causes are internal or external, you you know to um, the issues, you know, as they arise, it's it's also it's also I, I don't know how to say this, but it's also a question of I mean, for me, from where I stand, it's also a question of um, what are the foundational issues with ECOWAS, mm. you know, um, itself, right? Um, and I ask this because I know that part of what you know, the ECOWAS, you know, in terms of economic unions was pretty much the last on the continent to be formed. Um, mm. the, the, uh, and part of why it was a problem um, was because even in, 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 the, in the 60s or in the 70s, when these issues about all this Conversations over the sixties, yeah, where these issues about economic unions were being broached, you would find French-speaking African countries that had formed unions that predate OAU. Yeah. All right, um, uh, and they, they have they had found a way to fashion this this union. At the time when this was going on, um, Ivory Coast, who, who you know, as a French-speaking African country that pushed for um, the gradualist, functionalist approach to, you know, um, economic integration of African um, states mm. seemed to be more practical about, you, you know, where they wanted, you know, to go with that, that, that idea. Mm. Um, but on the flip side, the more, quote-unquote, progressive African states in, in that era, 
Speaking of Ghana and Kwame Nkrumah's Ghana, um, Sokoturi's um, Guinea. Um, Guinea, and then and then and then I think the Malian counterparts um, wanted a, a more a more federalist um, approach. Now, by which they meant an organization like you know the organization of African Union, but. By 1963, you know, after the formation of the Africa Organization of African Union, the, the, the organization also, you know, compromised, you know, to say that um, that their own formation did not supersede the regional economic um, blocks that, you know, predated them all. And, and that's what gave them the impetus to, you know. So, but how ECOWAS then be you know, came into being as a result of, you know, the ideological debates that had been settled. And this, it must be pointed out, really happened during what most, in most of Africa. Uh, I mean, to round up, I think this whole idea of the interests of, you know, um, the elites of, 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 of the more... Um, I mean, so I, I think... To, I want to say the elites of the member states, you know, by which in, in, in this instance I mean, yeah, um, the ones who have the financial muscle, you know, and the political muscle, and in this instance, Nigeria, um, sometimes plays a role, you know, within, I mean, and I'm speaking about ECOWAS now, you know, so you talk about Nigeria, you probably talk about Cote d'Ivoire, um, you talk about Ghana to some extent, you understand, and you would see that these guys are not even on the same page. Yeah, so um, that's the that's that's my own contribution. You know, I'm I'm, I'm sorry I, for some reasons I wasn't as clear as I'd love to be, but that's that's where I, that's where I think you know part of the problems with you know, the internal workings of Ecowas. I mean, it's quite a confusing situation in general, and um, you know, not to be as clear as anyone wants to be. So, I think we're all just trying to do our best to make sense of it. And um, I mean, maybe by way of wrapping up, um, in order not to feel entirely powerless, um, because we aren't. Perhaps it's worth considering the old um, question posed by Lenin, maybe somebody had posed it before, but I guess Lenin is probably most often associated with the question, and it's, uh, of course, what is to be done, right? Um, <laughs> and, yeah, I mean, I guess the question would be for, not for us as, as a podcast, I mean, I, I think, of course, OEG probably has a direct line to the Burkina ruling council, leaving <laughs> that, that aside. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> Progressive forces in general, as as we considered the situation as it's developing, um, what is the path we should take, or we should encourage these states to take? I mean, is it about just letting the situation evolve and observing um, how things go, and then intervening, as OEG maybe seems to be suggesting? Is it about advocacy for any particular path, the restoration of constitutional order, for instance, um, you know, 
the, the timeline to elections? Um, or is it something else? I mean, what, what should then be the kind of positive path that progressive or radical forces suggest or pursue in this moment of crisis? Oji, that's no. you're the, you're you're. I can see you ready to jump in. So I think, man, ultimately the people have to decide where and how they want to go because you can't just have a bunch of like power brokers deciding the material fate of people. They have to come together. What is in this space and time? What is it? You know, state of the country and where do we want to go to? And this will call us towards organization of the people, what are the progressive forces, what's like the volume, the level of consciousness, level of organization of all these progressive forces in this country. Do they have a fighting chance? Do they need to rebuild? All these kind of things are what we need to look at and, you know, work towards in terms of, like, redirecting the country because there can't be any step towards progressive action if, like, there are no progressive forces. You know, so what they will just keep on having is a meltdown you know, in this uh, retrogressive situation. But if there are progressive-like forces, then there might be a fighting chance to start from somewhere and put pressure on whatever type of government starts in place so that, you know, they can head towards the direction that, that we want. That they yeah, want. Right, so there's, a, there's an element where we need to focus on some some country building, some reading groups. <laughs> Not at the low and on the ground, so yeah, anyway. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, some practical steps to actually pulling a progressive coalition together. Yeah, very important. Right. Okay, Mega, your 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 final word on what is to be done. No, I, I don't know that I know what what is to be done. You know, in 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 the manner in which learning the question. Um, what, what I do know is that um, at the heart of, of what ECOWAS can do um, as a regional economic and even political block is, is, is the fact that um, member states, you know, and, and the elites within these member states need, there's a need for their interests to dovetail with the actualities, you, you know, um, that make that would make that you that would, I mean, the idea behind a regional economic block, as you know, some of us have expressed, isn't um, a bad one, mm. you know. But what it takes for it to, to come to fruition, um, you know, at the, at the heart of it would mean the chipping away of of some kind of sovereignty of the member states. Um, and, and that chipping away of the sovereignty is meant to instill accountability, all right? Um, and this is where the interests of the elite within member states, you know, conflict with um, the dream of, of building regional power blocks, you know, that they can, that condense them, you know, the, the tide of, of um, world superpowers when they decide to go on on, on all their different kinds of, of cold war. 
Um, not to go back, you know, and talk about the history of economic integrations of the world, you, you know, over, which was as a, which basically started as a result of, you know, the First World War, Second World War, and, and whatnot. It, it, it would seem to me that some of these things have to do um, with the deepening of democracy. And I'm not saying this, yeah. you know, um, with the definition of, of, of the democracies that has been handed, you know, down to us um, by the West, you, you, you know, but that sense of accountability with elections and all and all of that, you know, um, yeah, it, it's probably it's probably poignant that what's um, at what's triggered you you know the Senegalese um, situation now is is. Is is Marquisol's cancellation of you know of, of of an election and indefinite, if you like, postponement of, of that. You know, on the flip December. side to that, to, sorry. No, he says till December, but you know, I know you don't trust him. I understand. Well, that. Yeah. Not, not but, uh, but on the flip side of that is that you know the instances where elections are, are even harder than. Um, parties in power um, decide that they want to still name and, and take it you know by all costs yeah. so you you then find that opposition parties just exist for the sake of it just just to keep up appearances and that there's no such things as as uh, oppositions um as an opposition party uh, and one country that comes to mind when I think about, you know, this is, is Rwanda, you, you mm. know, where, you know, you know, a sitting president who rewrites the constitution. So these are, these are, these are countries that are sitting on, you know, kegs of, of gunpowder, you know, and, and it might seem on the surface that nothing is, you know, boiling underneath it, but these are the things that make, um, this, especially within West Africa, where you have um, countries that were colonized by different um, colonial powers and have different allegiances and interests, competing allegiances to different power blocks and interest groups, you, it's 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 almost been very difficult to at the heart of what must be done is that we must have, and, and I think that this is where the citizenry comes, you know, into into in, into play. We must ensure that we have governments that can be accountable to the people in in ways that ensure that that they might that they are willing to relinquish a bit of the sovereignty of the nation. The, their own nation states for the greater good of 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 of, of you know regional um, block, and I don't want to I don't want to leave it um, at economic because there's no economic without the political, as you know any any political science student you know would, would tell you. So once you start talking about the economics of it, you're talking in some ways about. Um, um, 
the political because at the heart of it is consensus building. And if what if member states within this regional power block that is ECOWAS aren't willing to build consensus, um, then then we're not going anywhere. I mean, and as as a way of my last word. Um, ah, okay. The ones the words before. Then. <laughs> you know, uh, perhaps one of the things that in, in most of in almost most of everything that Buhari got wrong, you know, one of the things that he got right was um, his um, stance on 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 the echo currency when this came up. I think sometime in in mm. two thousand and twenty, you, you know, and even without. Blaming, you know, the, the Ivorian president, he he did say that. I mean, I, th- I think there's a tweet to this effect somewhere on Twitter, where he came out. One of, one of the most reasonable things I find that he ever said was that, you know, if we don't gain the trust of our fellow brothers, then this idea of of a really strong um, regional power block. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's only just but a, a pipe dream. Yeah. 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 Quite um, well said by Buhari's Twitter. <laughs> um, for sure. And now, I mean, I, I agree as well that, you know, in terms of trying to strengthen ties with Niger and trying to push through the eco, um, yeah, weirdly, Buhari actually looks a little better than the situation currently, which is as much of an indictment as you can probably um, offer to the current situation in itself. But yeah, I mean, I guess I agree broadly that like there doesn't seem to be any path forward that doesn't require um, the strengthening of progressive forces within these countries, but also across and the strengthening of ties across um, radical and progressive movements um in these countries and it's a difficult time for that obviously with the sanctions arising and with um strained diplomatic relations but it's certainly as urgent a task as it has ever been for those same reasons um and then yeah i mean as discredited as elections and democracy seem to be i think we are one region in the world where the military alternative has been tried time and time again, and um, it seems to deliver even less benefits, generally speaking, um, than even the, the sort of um, you know, highly discredited, let's call it bourgeois liberal democratic approach. So it does mean that to me, the question of a return to constitutional rule in Senegal and in um, the Sahel group states should not be waived off. And given that, then I think the question of sanctions also needs to be strongly revisited and opposed by progressive forces because progressive forces in those countries, for instance, the Organization of Trade Unions in Niger have consistently said that there cannot be a real our rapprochement unless those sanctions are lifted, particularly the ones that um, touch upon basic necessities like medicine, food, fuel, electricity. So I think pushing for 
um, change in all of those directions seems like an important task for us as the situation develops. Um, I mean, not for us, obviously. Our main task is to um, is to tweet and to um, podcast. But um, <laughs> for the real progressive and radical forces out there, um, those seem like the important things. Are there any other final statements or even housekeeping items or yeah, yeah, house, housekeeping. Okay. I beg that word we you, you use that time. Who won that stand up? Is it French? Is it English? Is it Portuguese? Oh, rapprochement. Rapprochement. Well, uh, that's you know <laughs> we're speaking across the region, various regions, you know, uh, religion, mm. uh, linguistically plural regions. So, so you don't cover. Yeah, so we have to flex our. Borrowed uh, Anglo, Anglo Franco. That's why, that's why I call yeah. that's why I file them on the house. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah but it's like we solidarize with everybody out there trying to make yeah. something happen. And of course, if there's any movement there that you know kind of listens to this and all that wants to talk, or let us know what's happening on yeah. ground. It'd be good to you know reach out to us via this uh you know podcast and see what to talk about and how to move and build from there definitely and audience. across the Sahelian states right yeah oh yeah Anyone, um, yeah. yeah as a podcast we recognize absolutely no sanctions so um you can cross the border into our discussion at any time yeah man um, <laughs> okay there is one housekeeping item i should bring up which is that um, the very discerning listeners who are still listening at this point in the podcast um, <laughs> would probably already have noticed that um, we have engaged in a new partnership with um, the online um, site Africa as a Country. Online site is maybe a bit repetitive, of course. If it's this platform, <laughs> I hate that word platform. But I anyway, hate it too. You know. What I mean? But yeah, we are partnering with Africa as a country to syndicate um, a few of our episodes um, once a month. So if you see us um, being shouted out or if you see episodes of us showing up on the Africa as a country website, don't freak out. They've not stolen the episode from us. We've <laughs> willingly submitted to a... Um, to a Pan-African regional institution um, mm. to demonstrate our commitment to Pan-Africanism, which um, ECOWAS has been accused of losing. So anyway, uh, that's an exciting development for us because it uh, has some um, benefits in terms of a wider audience and also should, we hope, um, deepen our engagement with issues across the African continent and also generate some material um, benefits, some stomach infrastructure, you know, et cetera, that will hopefully strengthen the production of the podcast. So keep um, that in, in view and um, definitely engage with Africa as a country if you haven't already. I'm sure you have. Um, but watch that piece as well because um, we'll be publishing some new exciting stuff there. Yeah, that's it, man. Cool. Yeah. So I guess we leave it there. Thanks.